This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Okay, guys, we're going to think about... Hello, by the way. Hello. Welcome to Self Talk Podcast. Thank you for hitting play. And I'm really excited to rip into today's conversation with you. Um, but before we get going, I just want to do a little thought experiment of something that I just um, think thinked about, thought about. Good start, Rolls. Okay, so you and I are going to think about this thing together for a second, which is... Okay, when you see someone really hysterical or like a really hysterical child for is a better example, what is often that parent saying to that child in that moment of severe distress? They're saying, hey, calm down, take a deep breath. And the kid's going, but I just got to... And, and the parent's just going, hey, just... And I mean, some adults do that. And I mean, I'm one of them sometimes. <laughs> but but typically the parent there, whoever's around is saying, just calm down, take a deep breath. And isn't that just the most helpful, wonderful piece of advice ever? Because it always works. Stopping your hysteria and taking a deep breath always makes you feel better. And in fact, just breathing and concentrating on your breathing feels pretty good by itself. And the reason you and I are talking about this is because just before I hit go on the um, technology and everything to record this, I was thinking, taking a deep breath, meditation, it's all about breath work, breath, breath, breath. Well, that's all you're doing in surfing is taking deep breaths. That's all you're doing. And if you're a surfer out there, I'm sure that you understand what I mean when I say that as this oh my gosh, like lightning rod bridge connection in my brain of oh, another reason why surfing is one of the best things that I can possibly do for my mental health. And it's because it's like, it's, it's accidental exercise, it's accidental creativity, and it's accidental meditation in that you're, all you're doing is focusing on your breathing, making sure you've got oxygen in your lungs, trying to exist in an aquatic environment, I suppose, that you're not supposed to because you're a terrestrial landlubber like me. And anyway, it's just, I mean, surfing is just bottomless as this insanely therapeutic thing to do. And I often wonder to myself, where on earth would I be if I didn't have surfing and the ocean and the waves as this utter sanctuary? Like, because that's that's so much of what it is. It's Surfing is so many different things to different people. But for me, it's a mental health activity above all else. I don't think I'm any different to anyone else that when I find one of those things that I can just depend on and is just so reliably beneficial for me, I, I prioritize them and they just become the single most important thing to get done as often as possible. But there's just nothing quite like surfing. And... Surfing and mental health being these crazily interrelated things in my experience, that's why I got so excited to have the conversation that you're about to listen to, which is with Rob O'Hara from Waves of Wellness. And he'll tell you all about it. It's a charity working with surfing as a formal mode of therapy and a mental health activity for all sorts of people. And 
I don't know, as soon as Rob told me a little bit about what he did, I almost wanted to say like, oh, okay, stop, don't tell me anymore because I want to talk about this properly and ask you about what you do with some microphones on because it just immediately piqued my interest as a crazy, important and admirable thing to be doing. So that's the man you're about to hear from is a bloke on a mission to improve the world through surfing and not just how much of it he does himself. And I just think that, I just think that's such a cool thing. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And I have a feeling that if you don't surf now, you will in about 60 minutes time. So how do you, so how do you, how do you personally contend with like a busy lineup when there is no secret nook or cranny you can duck mm. off to? Do you just not paddle out or do you, what, like what's your headspace in those situations? Yeah, I think it's changed over the years when I was surfing. I think I've had to actually catch myself and start to shift what I'm actually out there for in those sessions mm. and realise that it's not going to be just catching hundreds and hundreds of waves, whatever. Yeah. But I might actually just have to take the time to sit out there and just appreciate being out there for a bit longer and then just paddle battle with everyone to get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the paddle battle is so inevitable. I yeah. keep noticing at this beach in particular, people's paddle faces. <laughs> and like they're all, it's like they're, surfing is just infinitely entertaining period but yeah. that's one really entertaining part of it is like seeing someone hustling for a way and going like screw, <laughs> screwing their face up into this like everyone's got a different face i'm sure i do as well i was gonna say yeah, like, <laughs> yeah i bet i do i've no idea what it is and i'm 100 sure it's not flattering <laughs> but that's like yeah the paddle battles here are pretty fierce yeah, yeah yeah i think particularly so yeah we've been doing a lot of our work around uh manly and bondi right to australia's busiest beaches yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and yeah i think important when you're running a program like that to be respectful of the people who are out there first and make sure you kind of either pick a peek away from them or you know mm. just working around them so that they can still have their awesome session while you're sharing the stoke with your crew yeah well that's probably a good like opportunity to properly define what you do yeah which is waves of wellness mm. do you want to describe what it is yeah so waves of wellness is a, a mental health surf therapy charity so we run uh as i said programs I run the ones in Bondi and Manly and Northern Beaches, and then we run up and down the east coast of Australia as well. So the idea of it is, you know, everyone who surfs, as you were saying, mm. it's so good for your mental health and it's just an incredibly therapeutic exercise in itself. But then what we do is uh, we get various different population groups and get them down to the beach and run therapy sessions on the beach, in the, in the sand, just sitting there in a really relaxed, open setting mm. out in nature. And our idea is... You know, we're catching the people who fall through the cracks of traditional therapy settings. You know, some people might find it really intimidating to go and see a psych or sit one-on-one -on -one or maybe the rooms that you're sitting in isn't as nice of a place to go and open. Be vulnerable. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we find that through doing it down on the beach in that really relaxed setting, people, you know, we call it health by stealth, where we try and run health a really... Health by stealth. Yeah. Love it. So we run like really relaxed, laughy conversations yeah. and find that that's like a good way for people to just open up in a natural way, totally. in a natural setting. Totally. Yeah. I love it, man. So how long have you been doing it for? Uh, I've been doing it for about two years. Okay. Uh, I started off volunteering with them for six months because I heard about it and I was like, man, that's sick. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and then became a facilitator after six months of volunteering. Yeah. And yeah, so all the facilitators who run the programs up and down the East Coast have mental health backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So I'm trained in psychology. Oh, wow. Um, and Austin, my partner who runs them down here with me, he's also trained in psychology and then 
similar sort of backgrounds up and down the wow. spectrum of programs. That's awesome because yeah. I've got to say, like you guys just, I don't mean this in a discrediting way at all, but like you guys masquerade as just like you know, surfers. You guys, I yeah. see you guys covered in sand and weddies, but I love that there's like a real clinical yeah. and um, like formal structure to it as well. Mm. Health by stealth. I'm just so into it. That's so clever. Yeah, and that's what I love about it too. I think there's such a space, you know, learning about psychology, a big emphasis is on, you know, professionalism. And obviously there's still professionalism, but I think in a different way, you know, mm. professionalism doesn't have to mean wearing a suit and doing your hair every morning, but can mean just being a little bit jovial in a respectful and kind way and, you know, using that as a tool almost in therapy for people to open up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I just can't get my head around, like, the diversity of, like, human emotion that you must get exposed to every session. Mm. And, like, I'm, sure, I'm sure everyone's different. For you sure. must have seen, like, the full gamut of reactions and experiences. Mm in health by stealth. Absolutely. I mean, like you said the other day, actually, I remember so you, you take people sometimes that have never even seen the ocean. Mm. And that, like, as a spoiled East Coast boy like me, <laughs> I mean, I just can't even... That's... It, it, it's really helpful to be reminded of that stuff and how mm. unbelievably lucky I am to have just mm. had that as a given in my life. Mm, but, sure. yeah, you get... I'm sure you get people in their 20s and 30s and 40s even yeah. who have never seen the ocean. Absolutely. And... It's yeah, been a really grounding experience for me as well in terms of learning about everyone's experiences because, as you said, everyone's an individual and has their own mental health journey in that respect. Yeah. So there are so many experiences to learn from. And also we run groups across a range of population demographics. So we've had, like this morning, we had a refugee program where lots of them wouldn't have seen the ocean or had the experience of going to the beach or, you know, on the flip side and might have even come to Australia by boat. Yeah, had a really traumatic experience yeah, of the ocean. Absolutely. So getting them back to the ocean in that really therapeutic, supportive and relaxed setting is kind of the perfect way to go about it. Yeah. Um, but then we've also had uh, veterans groups and youth at risk groups and LGBTIQ plus groups and a whole range like men's and women's wellness groups as well. So yeah, through going to each group, you kind of almost change your attitude a little bit to fit, I don't know, you change what you're expecting to hear, but yeah, yeah. I think just the range of experience that you hear along the way is amazing. Yeah, so, okay, so how do you even begin to introduce somebody to the ocean? Like, I'm so thick gold. I can't even begin, I can't even imagine that conversation. Mm. Hey, here's this blue thing, see it on the horizon, that's the ocean, I'm sure you've heard about it. We're going to jump in. Well, how, do, how on earth does that even go? Yeah, and it can be... Overwhelming, I'm sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. And it can be challenging in that sense. Like, people, like, lots of people do experience a lot of anxiousness about the ocean and fear, and rightly so a lot of the time because yeah. it can be dangerous. But I think through having our session on the beach first, we'll have a chat about um, various wellness topics each week, and then we'll introduce a little bit of context around ocean safety and just get that conversation going a little bit yeah. before... You know, we take it really relaxed as well. Like, we're always asking participants, like, do you feel comfortable? Are you up for this? Like, checking in with them and making sure that they know if they're not tracking all right, they can say, yeah, mate, take like, out. And they do rest for a bit. Yeah, and yeah. That's totally cool as well. Yeah. And also just assessing the conditions on a week-by-week basis. Yeah, to of course. Make sure like, it's have you, that must be so distressing as a surfer <laughs> as well, as a psychologist, to <laughs> arrive and see, like, perfect four or five foot and be like, no, nah, I can't take this group of refugees out there, but I've got yeah. to watch it reel off in the background. Yeah, sitting there on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another conflict. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, um, what, like, gravitated you towards it in the first place? 
you just heard mm. about it and you were just like, that's such a cool idea, I want to be involved? Yeah, well, it was actually my cousin um, knew the guy who started it, who's Joel Pilgrim, um, an amazing dude. And yeah, my cousin just told me about this program that Joel was running. Um, it's been running since about 2017 now. Mm. And I was just coming towards the end of my psych degree at that stage and just sent them an email being like, guys, can I please volunteer? Mm. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they got back and they were all for it. Yeah, so. hard to decline someone desperate to volunteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and yeah, I just loved it from the get-go. Like through seeing the changes in people on the beach, from even just from session to session, like seeing people who can't even really get out of bed in the morning who get themselves to the session, which is a huge achievement in itself. Mm. And then seeing them being really flat in the morning and then when they leave the ocean, they've got grin from ear to ear. Yeah. Oh, that must be so rewarding. Yeah. So wow. It was amazing. That was what hooked me. Yeah, then, yeah. Yeah, that's undeniable at that point in time, I can imagine, just yeah. like seeing and feeling. Because you, yeah, it's like in those busy sessions where you have to tap into other people's enthusiasm to be able mm. to extract the same amount of joy out of a session where you might not get as many waves as you want. Mm. And so sure. you, you must be a master at that by now because <laughs> like seeing all these people. Yeah. Wow, that's a well, special thing. I was going to say, like, I reckon the beauty of surfing is I've played a few sports around the place, but I reckon surfing is the only one where you can be genuinely as stoked for your mate getting a wave as you. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if I see one of my friends or a participant catch a wave, it makes me just as happy as if I had caught the wave as well. Yeah. And I feel like with footy and stuff, you can nail a kick and it feels awesome. But watching your mate nail a kick, it's cool, but it doesn't give you the same sort of feeling. You yeah. Know? Or you're standing yeah. inside of white line fever and someone totally. else crosses over first <laughs> and you're like, yeah, good for the team, yeah, whatever. But good on you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's such a nice point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got one particular memory in the surf that just stands out as like pivotal for your own mental health? Yeah, I think I've had a couple actually. It's just, I'll actually, the various experiences I've got, um, a couple of times just going down to the National Park south of Sydney with mm. mates mm. and you've just got perfect reeling waves. There's four of you out there and you just come in and for the next week it's all you can talk about and then for the next month, Talk about it slightly less, but it still comes up every conversation. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just like ingrained in your head. And it'll be there till I'm 90, I reckon, just yeah. thinking about this one session. But yeah. I also think I kind of grew up learning to surf um, down along the Great Ocean Road in Victoria. And, yeah, I think down there it's so rugged and in some spots such an empty coastline. And I think that is the moment that kind of comes back to me in terms of what's best for my mental health because sitting out in some of those lineups, you know, you're just by yourself, big, windy surf, stormy as, yeah. and you're just looking back at cliffs and no people in sight, and it's half absolutely terrifying, but also I think the greatest spiritual component of surfing, I reckon, you know, feeling like you're just a speck in, in, in the universe. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, just dwarfed by nature in, like, every context. Mm. Yeah, totally. I love that about surfing as well. It mm. just reminds me of my own insignificance. Totally. And that, like, if you read that on paper, that might sound like a bad thing because mm. it sounds like a negative reminder, but mm. it's like, oh, I find it to be a really positive reminder because it means that my problem's pretty insignificant in the scheme of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It just instantly provides that perspective shift, I reckon. Yeah, you that's know. it's something, spirituality of surfing is something that's really caught up with me in the last maybe five years, mm. as far as acknowledging that that's what I'm pursuing out there as much as I'm pursuing, you know, athletic 
activity or whatever, mm. or like doing a certain turn or reading a certain wave, a certain way, whatever, mm. realizing that it's actually how much time I spend, you know, in dialogue with nature and feeling my own sort of place and purpose in the world and stuff. Mm. And it's become this like crazy spiritual thing. Absolutely. But then I find it so shocking when you see people going ballistic in the surf or I don't know, fighting or just just aggression in general. It's just feeling like an uglier and uglier thing mm. as time wears on and I sort of appreciate yeah, the spiritual element of surfing. For sure. Yeah. But that sounds like something that you sort of recognise pretty pretty quick into the game, Great Ocean Road. Yeah, well, I kind of... So I'm from Bathurst originally, but okay. um, my family was all from down that way. So I grew up, essentially grew up down there mm. for a lot of, a lot of the time. Um, but I think just in terms of that point about that aggression out in the surf, I don't know, it's the same sort of thing. Like I've had to catch myself from, I don't know, trying not to get too caught up in that totally. and almost try and block it out. Cause you can just think, you know, the only thing that person's doing is ruining their own session. Mm. Like you can, you can, take that power and say, they're not going to ruin mine. Like, I'm going to block them out. They can be as angry as they want. Yeah. They're just having a shit surf. Yeah, so true. But it is tough, though, because you're like, mate, what are you doing? We're, like, yeah. <laughs> we're out in the most beautiful place ever. But What are you doing right now? Exactly. It's like, this isn't yeah. mature. This is supposed to be you at your happiest. Absolutely. Most peaceful. Yeah. And going, like, losing your nut at somebody for chandeliering a wave or something. And yeah. just like, dude... What? Yeah. And it makes me, it freaks me out sometimes because I think this is meant to be as nice as this person gets. So what's he like on land? Has he got a missus and kids? And like, am I going to piss him off even more if I talk back? Or like, you know, in mm. those situations, it's, it's pretty electrifying. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one to manage, hey? But yeah, I guess just, yeah, trying to just focus on your own session as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. I had a really awkward one the other day, actually, because... I was up at Queensy, it was really busy, mm. and there was this bloke, maybe in his 40s, but on one of those, like, eight-foot, three-inch thick, just barge boards, hard board, yeah. and, and we're doing a reasonable job, I'd say an intermediate surfer, pretty wide stance, arms out, you know, having, yeah. a, having a sesh, going for it, <laughs> Stop but <kidding>. basically, yeah, <laughs> but basically plowing through the lineup, picking the eyes out of every set. And he kind of frightened me a few times because I was low in the water on a, a wooden board and feeling like, oh my God, I'm about to get my block knocked off by mm. this fella. Anyway, he dropped in on me on a wave pretty egregiously. I sort of gave him a little oit and then he just like kind of ignored it. I was like, well, that's how it's going to be, whatever. Yeah. And then it happened again, like consecutively. And then he did turn around right at the end and noticed and to his credit came up and was like, oh, sorry, man, sorry, I didn't see you, I didn't hear you. And I was like, that's bullshit. Like, I was making some noise. I don't know if I buy that, but just trying to paddle away and just get away from it. Like, it's happened now. Yeah. Can't be bothered to make a scene. Mm. But he followed me and paddled up to me and he was like, kept trying to apologise and kept trying to like, I don't know, I guess, I guess tried and reconcile it. To, again, to this guy's credit. Mm. But I was just like, just, I just want to leave it back there and whatever. And he was sort of trying to reason with me. He's like, oh, I didn't see, I paddled for that wave and then this happened and then that happened. And, then, and I was like, hey, 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 shh, just like enough. And I sat up, he sat up. It's a windless lineup. So it's one of those awkward times where like 50 other people are now listening to this mm. very electrified conversation. Yeah, man. And I heard myself regurgitate to him something that someone told me like 10 years ago. <laughs> For pretty much the exact same thing. 
Yeah. And it was just this, I haven't really like, I don't know, I've surf, I sort of pick lonely banks and stuff just to be in my own space most mm. of the time. So I haven't really been in a situation like that for ages, mm. any sort of altercation at all. But I was like, I was like, dude, it's not about like, there's no real excuse for it. The fact is, is like you're, you're picking the eyes out of every set. You've got very noisy body language and it's disruptive for everybody because we're all sharing here. So just like calm down. Mm. And that was it. And, and then I paddled off going like, wow, who the fuck just said that? Like, who put those words in my mouth? <laughs> and then I remembered this memory of being at this wave and, um, and being too excited because it was like a fickle wave that was mm. six foot. It was perfect. It was pretty busy. Mm. And I, in the first 15 minutes, I was just frothing out of my skin. as like a 19-year-old. Yeah. And then had some guy come up to me and, he, and it was really intimidating. He was really softly spoken. He didn't bark at me or anything. But he was like, hey, man. You need to calm down. You're just, you're just, just everything about you is too noisy right now. And it really rattled me at the time, but I, it was a lesson that I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like... It sticks with you. It sticks with you. And yeah. then it turns into this really, I don't know, almost ceremonial aspect of life that I don't really experience anywhere else. Yeah. As far true. as having that um, informal, but somehow very regulated social structure to mm. things. And I find like... Ceremony is almost what dictates that and seems to be absent from a lot of other places. For sure. And yeah, it's something that I really value, but... Um, mm. I think I it's, um, it's tricky. Yeah, yeah, I reckon. It's a, it's a nice quote, I reckon. It's kind of... It would have hit you at the time, but it's something that you can think about yeah. in terms of just like picking how you act in different situations and different places. Definitely, yeah. in, like in and out of the water as well. Because mm, you really, absolutely. like, I remember getting told that and then for the rest of that day just feeling like so rattled mm. and feeling like there was this energetic exchange that had happened that had just left me like fried and I was like, that was pretty significant. Don't really understand why, but I was kind of walking around a bit wobbly mm. and really withdrawn. Mm. And like, yeah, body it just changed my body language on land as well as in the sea. Mm. But it's just like, yeah. The spirituality of surfing, it's just, it's nowhere else to be found for me. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think in touching on what you were saying before, it's really hard in those crowded breaks, you know, that sense of competitiveness that comes with everyone and balancing that with, you know, the respect and, um, I guess, cultural structure that comes with surfing. Yeah. Um, you know, being respectful to other people in the break, surfers etiquette. Um, but you know, like Manly and Bondi, it can be tricky when you got like hundred people out in the water, r range of different surfing abilities, mm. and yeah, it's tough because I think I saw a video the other day talking about surfers etiquette, and it didn't explain the ins and outs of surfers etiquette, but it talked about why it was so necessary, which was really interesting, mm. and it was saying that waves for surfers are like the most valuable commodity possible. So when you're out, like you were saying, on a fickle day, like especially being a 19-year-old feeling stoked, yeah. you're going to be paddling for everything and you're going to be like, like, you can never get enough. Yeah, exactly. You can never get but, enough. Yeah. And I guess on days where it's super packed, when everyone's got that mentality, it just turns into a bit of a circus on some days for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Recipe yeah. for disaster. You've yeah. got 100 people who have this insatiable appetite. Mm. Yeah. But then it's when you get to those less crowded breaks that you if you're taking that attitude down there, you'll get some filthy looks. And Absolutely. Yeah, some people might bark your ear off a bit. Yeah. And, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like an old man sometimes because I want to say things like times have changed, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think about being, 
yeah, that age and, and even younger when I was in high school and stuff surfing, waves that I knew were sort of notoriously localised and feeling conscious of it and not wanting to aggravate anybody and feeling that the threat of physical assault is very real. And, if you know, I'd seen it, mm. you see it out sometimes, you see people punching each other in the lineup, and it's mm. just, yeah, I don't know if that's, if I'm noticing less of it or if that doesn't happen as much anymore, but mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough dust, to say. Dust-ups in the sea are just the gnarliest thing. Oh, man, yeah. I haven't actually ever seen one, I don't think. I remember seeing people get super close, but, mm. yeah. I remember seeing a guy paddle over to another guy, and I was like, I would have been like 16 or something, and watching it and going, oh, here we go. And sure enough, this guy like, like leapt off his own board and just started cracking this guy in the head. And as a 16 year old, you're watching two 40 year olds just like duke it out. Mm. I, I, it's like stuck with me is this thing of like, should I have intervened then? What could I have done? But also mm. there was nothing to be done. Yeah. And same thing, like that was that guy having the best part of his day. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <And> in the <laughs> sea. Yeah, mate. Insane. Yeah. Was, was nature and, um, I guess, surfing more specifically part of your psych degree at all? Uh, no, which was interesting. I, it was a very traditional psych degree, right. um, which I loved. But, I, yeah, I think coming into this role, because I always loved surfing, obviously, and yeah, being able to combine those two passions was a dream come true. But coming into this role, I've learned of the beauty of that. You know, being here for two years, I think, yeah, I've just learned an immense amount about you know, the nature of therapy and I guess the aim of psychology um, for me, I reckon, is learning how to best support people. Mm. And it's kind of, that's both a really simple statement but also an incredibly broad one in terms of, you know, if some people don't want to share in a traditional psych setting, then at the end of the day, you might just not be able to get as much out of them. Yeah, and the yeah. way that Waves of Wellness actually started was Joel um, was working at a centre in Bondi and had a patient who had psychosis wow. and found that taking them out in the surf, he did that one session after a couple of months and found that therapy just wasn't really working in that traditional setting, ended up taking this patient for a surf and found that they opened up, you know, like six times more than they had in the last three months combined, mm. just sitting out in the water for a chat. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And from there, he was like, yeah, like, I'm a surfer. I know how therapeutic it is, but obviously there's also something to this in a clinical setting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So short of that, can I ask you as a psych, actually, for your, like, professional opinion? Mm. So... I should disclaimer, I'm not actually oh, a psych. Oh, pardon me, yeah, sorry, yeah, I don't want just to announce got a psych you something you're not. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But okay. someone with far more education than me and this sort of thing, or maybe just like your own personal experience, mm. like, what do you think is the best way to, um, to ask, really ask someone how they're going, really break the ice, mm. short of being sat out between sets and, and having it happen organically? Mm. Do you have to wait for that? Or is there, have you, have you identified like a, a, a useful pattern or... Um, rubric that you can apply to really just genuinely engage someone like that? Mm. Uh, for sure. I think the biggest way that came out of that was just genuinely. And right. I think just being there for someone in a genuine capacity really shows. And, you know, if you ask them the first time, you say, how are you going? Good. How are you really going? Yeah. And maybe just touch on a little bit. And if they don't open up, then that's awesome. It's totally cool. It's, they're not up for it at that stage. That's awesome. Um, then just be there for them, you know, make sure you're there, 
you know, over a bit of time and then they might feel comfortable to open up. Mm. Another great way is to say, you know, how are you going? I've noticed, you know, you've been acting a little bit differently or I've noticed these things about you that, and like I, I'm here for you. I'm up for a chat. I want to care for you. Yeah. 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 And I think that can also be a good way to open up a conversation a little bit. Yeah. But it is a, it is a tricky one and I think just being genuine and being open and not being afraid to ask questions is, it seems so counterintuitive because, I don't know, there's such a stigma around it, I guess. Mm. Um, but, you know, like in my experiences, chatting to mates about that sort of stuff, it's always made the relationship a bit tighter. Definitely. Yeah, whether yeah. it's through like saying the right thing or being a listening ear or even just being there for the person. Like I think with those conversations, there's such a pressure to have the advice or say a sentence that's going to flip them back to normal. Yeah. But I think what I've learned, particularly through this job at Waves of Wellness and chatting to mates, is there's a profound value in just being there as a listening ear. Yeah, right. Well said. That's such an um, interesting point as well about the pressure that's kind of in, it's implicit in the air that there's some magic response. or mm. And that, I've, yeah, that I feel that must distort both the question and the answer as well because it's going to load both people with that like apprehension about do I bother asking in case that answer isn't there or do I bother listening in case I don't have the answer. Mm. So I've always struggled with, um, and certainly not like denouncing it in any way, but I've struggled with the idea of are you okay day? Just like I struggle as a psychopathic old man with like every something day, like World Oceans Day was the other day. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. But also like every day is World Oceans Day. Mm. It's not going anywhere. Mm. And just like, are you okay day? I worry sometimes that these days almost relegate important issues to a single time and make it harder to ask outside those times or desensitize people to the reality of it. Because like, I remember, are you okay day? Um, an activation that I attended uh, a few years ago and just feeling almost maybe it's that pressure that you're just talking about in the air where it would almost have been antisocial to say no. And, mm. and like it, what I worry is that people will ask the question loaded with that pressure to just ask it just for the sake of asking it and not necessarily know what to do if the answer is no. Mm. And so I think like be, just be genuine and be there is such good advice. For sure. And I think with the Are You OK Day and struggling with that, I can see that, you know, you want it to just be all the time and you want it to exist beyond just a day because it's obviously such a prevalent issue. It affects literally every person. And, yeah, it is, it's a tricky one in that sense, but I think that Are You OK Day has such an impact across oh, Australia for sure. And even if it does, just get one person to say, Are You OK? That's a wicked thing. Absolutely to, right. To yeah. get that conversation going on that day. And then from there, that's where we start to kind of open up the conversation a bit more on the other days. And yeah. that's where it comes down to, you know, that day addresses a huge stigma in actually getting that question asked and raising that awareness that that question needs to be asked. Mm. But also I think there's a long way to go in terms of reducing that stigma in terms of asking that on every day organically yeah yeah and being able to say no i'm not okay yeah you know because we it was interesting i was talking to a mate the other day and he was reflecting on the fact that we use how i are as a greeting yeah. and we don't expect an answer yeah yeah or, or how you been all right yeah it's like yeah. you haven't been all right don't fucking tell me absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah for sure and i think 
what you said also in terms of almost being afraid if someone says no. And that is such a limiting factor in terms of asking that question, are you okay? If someone says no, you go, oh fuck, like what do I do here? Yeah. Then that can be terrifying as well. And I think that's a huge reason why people don't ask that question when they're feeling uncomfortable. Mm. But I think like you said, and like we were talking about before, being genuine in that situation and saying, okay, cool. Like I'm here to, not cool, but <laughs> I'm here to support you. And I really care about you and I wanna, you know, help you in this situation yeah i don't myself know what to say but let's work through it together yeah like, yeah yeah or let me let me know how i can support you or let me know how you're feeling or whatever it may be but just being there for someone you don't have to have the answers if they say no mm. but just being there for someone like we were saying has such a profound impact yeah and yeah and surfing just lends itself to that so nicely mm. by just sharing time with someone in the lineup mm. and there'll be those opportunities yeah, to just like if that person ever needs to, to just sing out because neither of you have your phone to just pull out and distract you or, mm. you know, a million different things on your mind. You're just like, you're out there sort of blissing out. For sure. But on the other hand, in surfing, it's such a macho culture in a lot of ways. Mm. And, and like how cool stuff is, how cool you are as a surfer, you know, how good you are as a surfer. A lot of that stuff is almost um, prohibitive to authentic mental health dialogue in a way because there's this like pressure to feel oh, I don't have the latest wetsuit on or I didn't crank that turn hard enough or you know mm. yeah it's I find that challenging about surfing is that dichotomy of it's this beautiful therapeutic lovely place to be but it's also kind of industrially dominated by unhelpful things like coolness mm. <laughs> and, and, and new, new shit every day all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I can see that for sure. But I would also say maybe it depends on where you're surfing and how you're surfing. Mm. Like I would say what we were talking about before, like surfing down in Victoria, all those super uncrowded spots can make you feel like a speck in the universe and it completely takes away any sense of coolness, which has been yeah. <laughs> the probably the greatest things for my mental health. So yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy of sometimes it can provoke, um, provoke thoughts in the other direction saying, oh, I need to surf better. I need to act this way to be a surfer. Yeah, or get a certain board that everyone seems to be writing or yeah. know, or seen a piece of content that everyone's talking about. And mm. yeah. Or when I think you just go down that spiritual side of surfing and the exploratory side, you have the complete opposite effect where it just strips it all back takes away any bullshit yeah yeah like i remember coming out of the surf down in vic one day and it was an awesome session <laughs> and i was like i want a mullet <laughs> and i think it was just purely excitement after that surf yeah. not giving a crap about anything and <laughs> just went over and did it and nice. I was like, <laughs> didn't nice. suit me at all yeah, yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like didn't care i, was I like, mean like to be fair <laughs> mate mullets don't really suit anyone in my <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I can completely yeah. relate and you just yeah when you have those sessions you just feel less and less connected and indoctrinated by the bullshit and it's just mm. become such an independent pursuit absolutely and do you notice um do you notice yourself surf differently according to who's in the lineup I think so more freely I find if it's kind of I guess just with anything like it adds pressure if it's a higher intensity lineup. Yeah. And you've like got to, you feel like you've got to nail everything. Yeah. In terms of almost affirming your spot out there, I guess. Yeah, but see, isn't that an interesting thing? Because that's a very real and quantifiable result. Is mm. that there's, if there's eyeballs on you and you blow uh, like a takeoff or you cook a good wave in front of a busy lineup, 
people are going to fade you and mm. it'll be really hard for you to establish any sort of respectability in a lineup. You'll, I, rec- I mean, certainly when I was learning to surf and sort of progressing and realizing that that hierarchy really does exist in a lineup and it almost stratifies itself really purely according to how well everyone's surfing mm. and whether it means someone's on the shoulder, you know, looking at you and paddling because they're assuming you're going to blow it again. Yeah. Or if you're the, you know, the shit hot local rat out there and, you know, you just look at a wave and no one even touches it and you can just pick the eyes out of whatever you want because mm. you're busting out an alley-oop every wave or something. <laughs> and it really does. So that's like this really measurable thing, but it's, it's this limitation on the way you surf. Because I experienced mm. the same thing. If there's eyeballs in the lineup, the more of them, mm. I find like the less free I feel, the less mm. loose. and Yeah, for sure. And I guess the less you enjoy it at the end of it as well. Yeah. Well, touching on that, like I think... I would agree that you get tighter, but I've really tried to kind of catch myself on those sessions too, like we were saying, and say, you know, like with everything, you have good sessions and bad sessions. Times when you'll feel tight won't surf as well, and times when you will, but even the times when you're not surfing as well particularly can be just as enjoyable. And I think I actually injured my knee playing footy a few years ago, and I was out for eight months. And during that time, just watched a stack of Mason Ho surfing clips yeah yeah and i was like fire out when i get back to the beach i just want to surf like mason every session just the most fun ever absolutely just absolutely love every session and following from that i made a rule with myself that i'm not allowed to get frustrated with myself in the surf like if i blow a turn or don't make a takeoff or whatever it may be just like remember the fact that you're out there for just the best activity ever in the yeah. most beautiful place possible. Yeah. And you're not allowed to get frustrated because you fucked it dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, it's, yeah, I completely agree. I'm trying to teach myself that. Yeah, and it took and me ages as well. But It's, it's still like, taking me ages. Yeah. Like, I still catch myself sometimes filthy at myself, recalling yeah. when I shouldn't have. And then, yeah, I got to like, just like slap <laughs> myself awake. I'm like, come on, dude, you're in the surf. Like, this is fun. It's not supposed to be some competition. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, I've felt that big time. And yeah, definitely I still get frustrated at myself too. But I think it's like a like a practice that the more times you catch yourself, the easier it'll get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mason Ho is just got to be the most infectiously oh. exciting surfer ever, <laughs> eh? Like everyone, every pro like G's you up when you're watching a, a clip or something. But something about Mason Ho is just yeah. yeah, he looks like he's having the most fun in the entire world out of everyone. Yeah, just a time. pure stag machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was torture watching his clips when I was uh, when I had my bung knee. Yeah. Because it's like no one froth gets me frothing as hard to go surfing as Mason. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. oh man. <laughs> but but I wonder if there was a net gain or a net loss in that situation where if mm. you're if you're like spewing that you can't surf at all whether you feel like you might have surfed a little bit because you're vicariously experiencing the fun through Mason Ho. Totally. Or whether yeah. it's just making it a heaps worse. And you're like, oh, I've got to go. <laughs> I think it was making me more itchy to surf, but I think it also changed, uh, I don't know, the way that I acted outside of the surf as well. Mm. Like, if you can bring that sort of energy where possible, like everyone has down days and shit days as well, but, you know, when you're feeling good and you bring that sort of energy, it's totally infectious. Yeah. And it's not just through surfing, but I think that's just his general character. Yeah. And that's what really gets me. So like, I'd want to go home to my share house after that. And you know, after watching a clip like that, you get around everyone and have a good laugh. Just carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. And that, I mean, like, I'm, uh, I reckon I'm bordering on just 
full-blown leaning into some hippie shit in my life. <laughs> and, and this is nice. coming up to some of it as far as believing in magic. Because, like, think about what you just said. Yeah. Because as soon as you say, do you believe in magic? Like, so many people are just like, okay, where's this going to go? But, but that's got to be magic, to be able to influence somebody without actually touching them or, or even just, like, Mason Hode, like, no disrespect, he doesn't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's managing to have this effect on you. Yeah. And that's, so that's got to be like, that's got to mm. be this whole magic thing. Yeah. And then I always think about like childish sayings like, words cast spells, that's why they call it spelling. And you're like, oh, oh wait, hold on, I'm 29, suddenly that makes sense. Like, yeah. what? Can I use that? Yeah, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just from saying a nice thing, mm. you can make someone feel something mm. or you can, you can produce a result or just like smiling someone, at someone rather. This yeah. has been my, I've been, I've been my bonnet about this all year, dude, is like, if you make eye contact with someone and you don't smile, you're glaring at them. And like, <laughs> and instantly there's this lost opportunity mm. for you to have positively influenced each other. And if your mental health was some little bar in the top right hand corner of the screen, because life is apparently GTA or something in this analogy, <laughs> then you've got this opportunity to like pump both of each other's up a little bit just totally. from like smiling at each other and like yeah. choosing to have a positive exchange in that one moment. Mm. And yeah, and if you don't, then it goes down and you're just sort of, oh, well, that person just fucking glared at me. Like, I don't know what I did, but, mm. but it's just in smiling. I mean, that's part of magic too, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. such a good point. I reckon that is magic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and like, Mason, if you're listening, <laughs> thanks for the magic. He definitely is, by the way. He messages yeah. me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You can call um, him Mace, by the way. I'm sure yeah. that's pretty... Yeah, yeah cheers, Mace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, think about it. That's like you can be 50 metres across the road from somebody and mm -hmm. if you both lock eyes and you know you've locked eyes and then you, you can grin or one of you can poke your tongue out even at a total mm -hmm. strange... I mean, it'll just make that moment fun for both of you. Mm -hmm. And then like, suddenly when you're lying in bed at night assessing your day, you've had more fun moments than shit ones and your mental health improves. Totally, As yeah. far as being an armchair, you're like psychology graduate because i'm definitely not <laughs> that's just from observing like my own my own shit and just totally. realizing oh those days where i lie in bed just stoked with how the day's gone is mm. when i've had heaps of magic and heaps of this like mm. arguably unnecessary positive exchange where you i could have just coasted through and ignored somebody or mm. not returned a smile or done something mm. but nice. i feel the best on those days for sure yeah. yeah and i think yeah exactly like you're saying through taking control of what we can control and creating that magic like i guess it can be disheartening if someone's not doing the same to you but you can't know what's going on behind the scenes there like yeah they might just be having the worst day such ever. a good point man but as long as you're taking control of it and maybe just like throwing a bit of magic their way. That'll fake it till you make it. Big smile on your face, Absolutely you'll have right. a working day. Mate, yeah. couldn't have said it better. That, <laughs> and that's those angry angry people in the survey, eh? like mm. knowing that, well, shit, this really angry person is actually in the best moments of their day, so they kind of deserve pity rather than reciprocal anger. Mm. And so have faith that just like brushing it off or being nice back or something mm. is helping them and it, uh, along the assumption that they're having a terrible day for sure yeah yeah absolutely how shit are mates that don't like well not even mates because i guess mates true mates don't really do this but like people who pretend they don't see something you do in the surf or like i almost <laughs> like i almost feel cranky at people like and i'm talking about people you don't even necessarily know outside the lineup just people you 
out there with. Yeah. If you do say, like, if you get tubed in front of somebody or do a good turn, or someone does something good in front of you and you don't hoot or like <laughs> talk, ah, that was a good one, or like at least do something. Yeah. I, that feels like one of these major missed opportunities for me. <laughs> I don't like those people. That's a spot where you can bring some magic for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I love that word you just used before as well, as far as generating, because we all have that power to like generate those moments as far as being happy for somebody else's wave as if it was your own. And, mm. and watching them and yeah, carrying on in the surf and stuff. Yeah. Fuck surfing's the best, man. It's yeah. just making me want to go surf. <laughs> I was like, provoke the stoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me all these words. Provoke <laughs> the stoke, health is stealth, stealthy health. What was it again? Uh, health by stealth. Health by stealth. Yeah. Yeah, so good. But I think just touching on the magic as well and going back to the mental health discussion, such a magic in just listening to people as well. Mm. And like we were saying, being there for them during those conversations that's complete magic in itself because yeah. even one of those conversations can, you know, it might not be you saying that sentence um, that gets them back to their normal happy self, whatever it is, but, you know, just being there for them and them knowing someone cares, that's absolute magic at its finest, I reckon. Totally. And that stuff I find, I notice in myself, um, almost like ferments in my brain over time. You know how if you cook a nice meal, how it tastes better the next day? Yeah. I feel like sometimes that happens with like memories and meeting sure. people and impressions yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And some, something that feels innocuous at the time that it happens just stays with you mm. and resonates way longer and becomes like quite a significant thing, mm. positively or negatively. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's just being that person. Like. Mm. And I, I mean, I say that because I've had those people mm. where people have made themselves available to me. I haven't necessarily appreciated the gravity of that offering at the time and mm. then it's become invaluable over mm. time and, sure. and something that you just like yeah, that I just like depend on yeah. yeah and I think from the side of the people starting the conversations as well attempting to start them um, through that genuine caring mindset can it can seem disheartening if the person that you're trying to start it with doesn't want to borrow you at that time mm. and doesn't want to talk about it but like you said like it's good to recognise that even though that conversation hasn't gone the way you wanted it to, you could still be making a massive difference. Absolutely. Like, they'll go home and think about that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, having that faith that they will. That I mean, you didn't... It wasn't just silent. Like, the exchange happened, you said the words, they said whatever they said, and it, like... Mm. Yeah, they'll remember it mm. in some way. Yeah, like the bloke in the surf telling you to watch your volume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wonder how Sticks many people, yeah, whether he had administered that lesson to other people as well. I think yeah, I've had I've had a lot of like important maturity lessons I think out in the surf that I've have contributed a lot to just my maturity in life. Mm. I remember once being being probably around the same era actually, same like nineteen year old, full of bloody testosterone and rage, and like yeah, I remember once a guy dropped in on me, and I think probably the same thing. I'd just been like too all over the lineup, too busy, just too disruptive. Mm. And, and, and I gave him a shout and he looked me in the eye and he took off. And I stood there and he just like stared at me eye to eye the whole time. And I was just like dumbfounded at the time. I was like, what's going on here? This isn't right. The rules are that if I'm inside, you're not allowed to go. Like just completely misunderstanding the exchange because this bloke would have been in his 60s mm. and, on a, and on a short board as well, which mm. is kind of like, he was a pretty committed you know, surfer. Yeah. And, um, and he didn't say a word to me 
but it was just this like this act of seniority and this just like put down that I really needed at the time. Mm. And yeah, that's another one. Like I just, surfing's just like, I feel so grateful for having it in my life. Oh, mate. Yeah. I, just, I almost wonder like what I would have done otherwise. Yeah, I've thought the same thing many times. So I yeah, so what do you do when it goes flat? When it goes flat? Oh, exercise is huge for me, I reckon. Yeah. Turning to other forms of exercise. Um, and I guess just, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's a good question. It's hard, eh? Yeah. There's nothing to do. <laughs> but yeah, I think knowing, knowing that there will be surf again and knowing that it's, it's challenging while there's no surf and you kind of have to turn to other means to um, you know, keep yourself on track, um, whether that be other exercise or talking to mates or I've enjoyed meditating recently um, and just focusing on other activities, whether it's like playing music or whatever it is, whatever mm. else tickles your fancy throughout daily life. Yeah, yeah. But knowing that there will be light at the end of that swellless tunnel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much like in life, you know, whenever you're going through a diffy period, knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel and you'll get these metaphorical waves again. And totally. You'll have those great sessions ahead and yeah. you'll have those great times ahead in life as well. Yeah, I love that, man. That's so spot on. It is, it is just surfing's just one long metaphor. And like every oh. time you find yourself... <laughs> Yes, challenged by something in surfing, it's representing something in greater life. And that's such a profound one as far as the waves have gone flat or even while you're paddling, you're in a trough and there's a wave in front and a wave mm. behind. It's like, it'll, there was one, there'll be another one. It's okay, just like head down and keep going. Mm. I mean, that, I've, that's taught me that lesson as far as low points in my life or mm. real, really sort of depressed periods is just having faith that there'll be another swell or there'll be another totally. there's a set on the horizon not sure how far off it is but it will arrive mm. and so be patient until it does kind of thing it's really helped teach mm. me that yeah my mum's actually got a saying that I refer to heaps in programs and it's always like drawing the ups and downs of waves coming in like swell lines and then what we do is imagine we're just sitting in a boat cruising along these swell lines you know through the troughs and through the peaks mm. and you know it's inevitable that we're going to experience these troughs and peaks maybe it's like shit days good days shit months shit years mm. good years whatever it is but what our job is is to know that there will be those peaks again like we were saying the light at the end of the tunnel and our job is to maintain the even keel of that boat maintain our own emotions and maintain oh, I love this. you know our own our own sense of being in those times which can get absolutely rocked by those low periods. Yeah. But if you can maintain an even keel and just ride it out at some times, ride out the storm, yeah. then there'll be good times ahead for sure. Oh, I love that analogy. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Mum. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Mrs. Rob. Well played. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's a really powerful analogy. So I guess, like, it, does that make um, uh, mental health intuition just, like, knowing how the boat works, being able to, you know change the oil in the motor and fix the rudder when it breaks and just like to keep it on course yeah yeah and yeah and I guess yeah learning how to manage those those troughs along the way and that can either be you know seeking help when you are feeling really flat and going through those really challenging times which is amazing because it'll bring you back um back to that level or also even reflecting during times of when you're feeling really good yeah. You know, having those chats, reflecting on what works for you, what doesn't work when you are feeling flat and almost sort of using as a bit of preparation time. You know, like I, for example, I have started meditating and 
seeing a psych, which I've kind of done for yonks, but like I'll still really enjoy the meditating and seeing a psych even when I'm feeling bloody good because mm. it's just a place to unpack and clear that mind space a little bit yeah. and just, yeah, get yourself sorted. Yeah, powerful, dude, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it definitely prepares you, I think, for when you are experiencing those more challenging times. Yeah, that's so true. Wow, respect. I admire that a lot in somebody. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, cheers. Well, obviously, like, it's more challenging at some times than others. And oh, yeah. It's easy to sit here and talk about it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's something that I'm trying to work on. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, yeah, I remember when I got diagnosed with depression and re- realising, like, almost feeling bad that what... Well, almost after that experience, realizing that I'd just been diagnosed with something that might have been incredibly different for somebody who received the same diagnosis. Interesting. And that's always yeah. challenged me about mental health is that it's so impossibly broad mm. and we have so limit, such limited terminology for a lot of different human experience. Mm. And it almost made me feel bad because I realized that I had just not acknowledged my own agency in moderating my mental health and paying attention to it and... It made me think, okay, well, depression isn't necessarily something that I can be cured of, but I definitely don't have to suffer it the way I suffered it in the past, where periods of depression would just last so much longer than they needed to because I was sort of raging against it rather than Mm. just floating with it and just trying to keep an even keel. Mm. And I found that, like, that was a really hard thing to learn without the experience because it made me realise, like, a lot of people had said, yeah, said stuff like you just said as far as pay attention to it while you're happy, paying, paying attention to mental health as this holistic thing and not just about when you don't feel good, but it's about your whole life all the time. Mm. But it didn't really sink in until I had my own version of it and realised that it doesn't end. There's no, it's not like something you can just extinguish in yourself. Feeling the full spectrum of human emotion is something I need to expect for my whole life. It's not like there's just mm. half of it the negative half that I can mute Mm. but I think I was trying to and it was making it a lot worse for sure but I think a big part of it was that I wasn't paying attention to the stuff that was going on while I was happy Mm. and and building those parameters and paying attention to yeah to how it all how it all contributes and how the good stuff can yeah uh, help the bad stuff down the line I suppose absolutely yeah and I think that's that's so fair enough because you know I in my own experience, I consider my mental health in terms of, you know, I don't really think about it when it's good. Like, you don't recognise that it's yeah. there. Like, absence of um, condition or absence of any negativity, you don't really think about it. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. you think about the negativity when it's there, yeah. for sure. So I guess in that sense, like, it takes that negativity sometimes for it to really become come to the forefront of your consciousness mm. and start thinking about it. But I think... I've been lucky through working with Waves of Wellness. I think that's genuinely what's got me to, um, you know, consider it throughout daily life, both good days and bad days. Mm. And it's a testament to the power of these kinds of discussions. You know, we say when we're down on the beach, we've got a group of 10 people down there chatting about wellness and chatting about our mental health. And we say, you know, this is a space where we want to get these conversations going. And we call it the ripple effect. We want people to leave the group and go and start these conversations in the community because you know just like my experience just then it has profound impact just having these conversations and getting the conversation going 
around mental health more generally and mm. just having it in the mainstream conversation because people actually go, oh, yeah, like, that is something I should look after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I was also going to say, um, it's interesting with the diagnosis question because, firstly, thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah, it's of course. awesome to talk about it, like we were saying. But um, I was thinking, you know, everyone experiences depression and everyone experiences anxiety. They're just, they're essentially emotions. Yeah. And everyone's got their shit days where, you know, you feel a bit anxious about certain things or sometimes you just feel anxious and same with depression. And then the, like you said, you know, the, when it becomes a clinical diagnosis is generally when it starts to impact on your daily functioning. That's when they start to kind of um, diagnose it as a clinical condition. Right. So I guess that kind of speaks to the broadness of the, um, to the broadness of experiences that you were mentioning before in terms of, you know, one person or a few people might be diagnosed with a certain condition, but it's still important to consider everyone in terms of that individual basis and still, you know, chat about their own experiences and not put people in those boxes. Yeah. Dude, that is such an amazing way of um, phrasing it, that depression and anxiety is essentially emotions. Mm. Hey, man, you have emotions. Like, because, sure. yeah, you read, you read mental health symptoms. I remember, like, what, PDHP in high school and, like, wherever you read broad spectrum um, education about mental health and it's all, you know, if you, you have poor mental health, if you feel sad, it's like, well, I've definitely felt sad before. Yeah. And then everyone has poor mental Does health. Does everyone have poor mental health? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And realising that, that, yeah, there's this, there's this yeah, spectrum of, of uh, how much you feel bad and there must be some threshold where if you start feeling bad enough that it becomes clinical. Mm. But what, yeah, what always, it still distresses me is that I got the same diagnosis as someone potentially who's got very measurable like neurochemistry misfires happening in their brain that are actually preventing you know the right amounts of serotonin or dopamine or whatever functions uh contributing to their happiness and it almost made me feel guilty i was like shit i've gotten the same diagnosis as this person got offered the same medication as that person when in fact there's a lot of stuff i can do to take responsibility for myself and and not actually, you know, put a pill in my mouth until I've taken care of everything I possibly can and I'm still suffering. I better not disrespect this other person who has this thing, who really needs this medication by just having it because I'm being lazy. Mm. And, yeah, realising how dishonest I'd been being with myself about how much agency I had over my own mental health. And then mm. somehow, I guess, like, exemplifying myself from the the clinical condition of it even though it's sort of nothing had really changed and I still feel sad sometimes and I'm still sort of riding the peaks and the troughs and stuff mm. but it's just just a difference in the amount of honesty and attention I was giving it yeah that's such an interesting point that you felt guilty that other people were tracking worse and you were essentially getting the same attention is that am yeah. I hearing that right yeah pretty yeah. much like a lot I like some really close friends of mine who I grew up with i have had like really major mental health struggles and um and this very real shit that's that's not really working properly neurochemically mm. as mine is mm. and it sort of seems crazy for me to be given the same level of concession as somebody suffering in a way that i'm not mm. yeah it's a weird it, the guilt thing was weird it, yeah. it is weird it still feels weird yeah it's not weird it's yeah just an interesting experience but yeah, I'd say, you know, everyone is, we kind of talk about this on the beach as well, everyone's running their own race with uh, 
you know, whatever it may be, whether it's learning new skills or our mental health journeys as well. And we, we love analogies down at the beach, yeah. whether it's surf-related or whatever. But we say you've got to, you know, when uh, race horses are running, they've got blinders on because if they're focusing on the horses running next to them, mm. they're going to trip up and stack it. So similarly, yeah. you know, it, like other people being in worse situations in yourself can cause those feelings of guilt for sure. But that shouldn't inhibit you from sorting your stuff out as well. Mm. You know, if it's, not, it's not at all a selfish thing to make yourself feel good. And, you know, to, whether that be through taking the same medication that other people who are tracking worse are on or whether it's, you know, taking time for yourself throughout the day, whether that be, you know, going surfing. Like, in some situations, that can be viewed as a selfish act because it's purely for you. Yeah. But also on the flip side, through doing that, through surfing, through taking the time for yourself, through taking that med- medication to get you back on track, it puts you in a better position to be able to, you know, help others. Yeah, have time and for other people as For well. sure. Yeah. And also yourself. Yeah, so through caring for yourself, you know, it's not, it's exactly the opposite of being a selfish thing in terms of, um, yeah, increasing your ability to feel better yeah, and just be. interact better with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, shit, man, that was, um, we're at 57 minutes. And I reckon we should probably wrap it up on that really beautifully eloquent point. Yeah, I didn't realise how long it had been. That's yeah, awesome. me neither, actually. I feel like we just hit play and then we've just both spent an hour of our lives. Hell yeah, that was so a good chat. Just, um, I'm not, I don't have that many listeners, but if someone's out there, and I'm sure there is someone out there going like, shit, this waves of wellness thing sounds awesome. Mm. Is it just for uh, refugees or really disadvantaged groups? Or do no, yeah. people like sing out and say, hey, I want to organise one of these for my office? Or Yeah, absolutely. So... Anyone can come down and do our programs. We have these specific clinical groups that we focus on. Uh, we also have general clinical groups, you know, where they have that more clinical focus and we'll delve deeper into um, challenges and issues um, that anyone can come down for mm. if they're feeling that's right for them. But then we also have um, prevention-based groups, which are funded by Movember. And oh, cool. So, for example, we have our um, Movember Sand and Surf program which is essentially just getting a bunch of blokes together on the beach, having those jovial conversations around mental health. But also that's where the health by stealth really comes in because people really open up in those groups, particularly among groups of men. Yeah. And it's awesome. So if anyone's listening out there and wants to come down and give it a crack, please do. Awesome, it's all man. totally free. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Come get around. Lucky here, mate. Awesome. <laughs> oh, well, thanks heaps, Rob. I love that chat, dude. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you, man. So isn't Rob just pretty much like the most peaceful, lovely guy to talk to ever? What a cool conversation and what an awesome guy on an awesome mission. As far as spreading whatever this thing is, like whatever the magic juju, surf juice, you know, stoke, whatever stoke is, that that thing that fills up your soul when you enter the ocean, play in the waves and walk away and realize that you feel like a much better version of yourself than the one that entered the ocean, whatever that is, I just love that there's people like Rob and there's organizations like Waves of Wellness out there just completely committed to putting that feeling in the chests of as many people as possible. How I mean, how good was Rob's message as far as the most valuable thing that you can do for somebody to help them is it no matter what it ends up being, that version of help, it's always going to start with listening. 
just listening to somebody and holding space for them, being this really valuable thing that we can do for one another. And I suppose there's just so many bloody distractions in life as far as gadgets and pandemics and all sorts of nonsense that just kind of almost to me from my armchair perspective in observing the world at large here and i mean it doesn't need um saying any more than is obvious but i'm not an expert by any means in this apart from what i've seen of my own and what better place to just hold space with somebody than out in the ocean where there's no distractions and you just i don't know i mean you and i can just sit here all night talking about surfing and why it's the best thing ever but I'm, I'm sure you already feel that way after listening to that conversation so hopefully you got something out of it and if you want to get in touch with waves of wellness at all i'll put the links in the description of this episode so that you can because one of waves of wellnesses waves of wellnesses that's a bit awkward to say clunky nice one rolls um one of their key messages is that Mental health therapy, I suppose surf therapy specifically, shouldn't just be for people in crisis. And as surfers, we know this, I know this, that it's just this amazing mental health activity that I do all the time when I'm good and when I'm bad, rather than just when I really need help. So so yeah, I'd recommend you get in touch if something that Rob said resonated with you. All the links will be there. And don't you just feel better about life and the universe and everything for, for knowing that surf therapy is just saving the planet one person at a time? I sure do. And with that, I'm going to leave and say thank you again, Rob, for the chat. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you at the next one. Peace. <laughs>